God, let's clap our hands unto the Lord in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. It is such an honor, amen, to have uh, Brother and Sister Claiborne with us. It's also good to have some guests from uh, Brother Buxton Church down in San Diego. I don't know why they're here, but I'm glad they're here. And uh, enjoy the snow. It, God sent it just for you, and so praise God. But it is an honor to have with us. We've been praying and fasting, church, uh, for this revival. And we're going to continue to do it this entire month. Pick one day a week or a meal, whatever it is, whatever you do, I believe that God will honor it. And take that moment, fast that day, fast that meal, push away the plate, uh, maybe set your phone down, turn off Facebook, whatever you got to do, and seek the Lord and uh, put some specific things before God. Amen. We are a people of faith. And not just in word, but in action. Amen? Hallelujah. And just believe that during this revival, God's going to do great things. And uh, we've come with great anticipation. And uh, we want Brother Claiborne to come and take his liberty. Whatever you feel, preach the word in Jesus' name. Church, would you lift up your hands and pray for the man of God as he comes. Let's put our hands together one more time. For the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on, just because he's been good to you for no other reason. Just put your hands together because he loves you. Because he cared enough about us to purchase our salvation on Calvary. Come on, just for a few more seconds. I think he's worthy of our praise and our attention this morning. Jesus, we glorify you. We magnify you, Jesus. You're excellent. You're great. You're awesome. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we believe, and the church said amen. amen. Hallelujah. You can remain standing because we're going to go to the word of the Lord here quickly, but I won't keep you standing too long because I want to be mindful of your knees, amen, and get you seated here in just a moment. But um, before we do that, I'm going to give our scripture text for this morning. We're going to be reading from the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 23 through 34. Acts 16, verses 23 through 34. And while you're turning there, they already have it prepared. Thank you to the media team. I uh, just want to say what a privilege it is, what an honor it is to be here with you all on a Sunday afternoon uh, here in Carson City at Apostolic Revival Center. Um, as was mentioned, we've been here before. It's not our first time. But last time, unfortunately, was a shorter stay, and we get to be here longer with you all. So we're excited to get to know you a little better, those of you who we have, we have not yet met. And uh, good to see some new faces, familiar faces. My wife and I are so honored and privileged to be here. Um, I know I speak on her behalf as well. To the Hoods, your, your wonderful pastor and pastor's wife, thank you for the invitation. Thank you for your leadership, your kindness, your hospitality. Uh, you know, it's a big deal to let uh, someone else stay in your home with you for a few weeks, so they must really trust us or like us, or maybe they just got their fingers crossed. I don't know, but uh, it's an honor to stay with them. They've been so kind, so hospitable, and we appreciate it so very much. Uh, thank you to the music team, the media team, the leadership team, everybody that makes this happen. This is no small thing. Amen. This is we, we can't afford to let a single service go to waste in these end times. So I'm so glad we were able to worship the way we did. And I'm so glad for everyone that serves and makes this happen. And the last thing I'll say before we read our scripture text, I am just so thankful for the church. I don't know about you. In, in these chaotic times, I'm so thankful for the church of the living God. Amen. I'm so thankful for each and every one of you. And if you've been born again of the water and the spirit, 
then you are my brother. You are my sister. And if you haven't yet had that experience, don't worry. God wants to give you that experience, and, and you can have that happen today. But I just want to say how thankful I am for my brothers and my sisters. I'm taking time on this uh, just a second for a reason. Sometimes we forget that we're a spiritual family. And we call each other brotherhood or sisterhood, and it's a habit, it's a tradition. But we forget that we have actually been born into a spiritual family. So when I meet new people, I get to meet new brothers and new sisters. It's amazing that because of the church, I have a family all around the world in just about every nation around the world. What an exciting thing, and I'm so glad that you don't look like me. And I don't look like you. I'm so glad that we don't have to act the same or dress the same. I'm glad we don't have to have the same sense of humor. We don't have to dress the same. We don't have to have the same socioeconomic background or the same ethnicity. We are all made one by the Spirit of God. One more time, are you thankful for the church? I'm so thankful for each and every one of you. If you're thankful for your brothers and sisters and the visitors here today, why don't you just put your hands together to... Hallelujah, and so thankful for leaders uh, to lead us through these chaotic times like your pastor and leadership team. God bless them. Acts 16, 23 through 34, without further ado, let's turn to the word of the Lord. Uh, we're going to read this whole portion because for those that aren't familiar with the story, we want you to hear it because it's a powerful story. It begins, our scripture text begins this way, and when they had laid many stripes upon them, that's many lashings, of course, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that all the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, the jailer, awoke out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all still here. Then the jailer called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they gave him one of the first steps. They said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And they spake unto him to the word of the Lord and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all of his straight away. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all of his house. Amen. The title of this sermon this morning is simply this, Don't Let the Darkness Decide. Don't Let the Darkness Decide. Amen. And if that's your, your, your desire, that's, if that resonates with your spirit, one more time before you're seated, just put your hands together for Jesus. Put your hands together for Jesus this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you. We come with great anticipation, great expectation. Thy kingdom come, Lord. Thy will be done in Carson City as it is in heaven, Lord. For every person that needs to have the darkness pushed back, we speak light into them. For every person that's never experienced the gift of the Holy Ghost, we pray you'd pour it out on them this morning, speaking in other tongues in the name of Jesus Christ. We praise you. We thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you're going to help me preach, you can be seated this morning. Thank you for standing. 
Don't let the darkness decide. This was a night, the night that the text that we just read, the story that we just read, was a night that the two disciples, Paul and Silas, would never forget. The story of what happened that night would be passed down through the generations. And here we are in 2020 still talking about the story of what happened in Acts chapter 16. And can I tell you, if you've been raised in church, whatever, maybe you're in a past uh, different uh, uh, tradition or whatever, if you experienced, uh, had a Sunday school experience, you may have heard the story of Paul and Silas. Maybe in the Sunday school room you had the flannel graphs or the pictures on the wall of two disciples with big smiles on their faces singing and broken chains around their wrists. Maybe you've heard this story before. If so, I'm glad. But can I tell you that while I'm thankful this story is told in Sunday school, that this is not just a Sunday school story. This is not this, is, this, this version that, that what you're going to hear today is not the Sunday school version. If I were to tell you that there was a story in Scripture that involved uh, attempted suicide, that involved depression, that involved uh, beatings and bruisings, that involved cynicism and confusion, and, and, and on and on, you, your mind may not immediately go to Acts chapter 16, and yet all of those things are included in this story we're going to talk about this morning. For those of you who aren't familiar with it, let me briefly explain that Paul and Silas were traveling and evangelizing, and Paul had a vision from God to go to the region of Macedonia. And, and one, one night, there was a man appeared to him in a dream and said, come preach to us. Come speak the word to us. There's no one. We have no apostolic preacher to preach the truth. So Paul wanted to obey this vision, and they set sail, and they landed in a city called Philippi. And this city was in the region of Macedonia that the Lord had called them to. Immediately off the bat, it seems like things were going pretty well, and it seems like God had definitely called them there because as soon as they got there, it seems, the Lord used them to witness to a lady named Lydia and her family, and they were converted. They were a prominent family in that area, and so it seemed like things were going very, very well. But as soon as this family was converted, things all of a sudden began to seemingly take a turn for the worse. You see, after this, Paul and Silas were trying to fulfill their mission, and a young girl who was possessed with a demon began to follow them and yell things at them and shout things after them. And the Bible says that Paul finally got so annoyed after some days of this that he turned around and pointed his finger at this young girl and said, come out of her in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And the devil came out of that young girl. You would think in this moment that uh, the city and the village would rejoice that this young girl had been freed from demonic possession. Instead, there was not rejoicing, but there were people very upset because this young lady was actually sadly a slave. She, was, she had owners that were using the demonic presence within her to tell people's fortunes. And so they were making quite a bit of money off of this young girl and the devil within her. Now that the devil was gone and the ability to tell the future was gone, they were very upset. So they captured Paul and Silas and literally dragged them by their cloaks to the center of town over cobblestones and over hard ground dragging their ribs and their body to the center of town. I told you that this was not just a Sunday school story. After this, a man, they begin beating Paul and Silas and they begin beating them viciously and accusing them of things they had not done. The Bible says that they received many blows. Another translation says they were beaten severely. 
And, and, and just when you think things can't get any worse, it continues to spiral downwards. Then they were cast into prison for a crime they did not commit. They were bloodied. They probably had broken bones. They were in intense pain. And now they were shackled to a wall. And history tells us that they very likely had shackles that were spread far apart to keep their arms and legs spread as far as possible to keep them from getting into any comfortable position. They were in a dire situation with no answers. And as the sun began to set and the light began to leave their prison cell, I'm sure Silas must have looked over at Paul and said, Paul, are you sure about that vision? Just, just, just bear with my imagination here this morning. I'm sure Silas must have looked over at him as they were bloodied and had, had, had black eyes and broken bones. He looked over at Paul and said, Paul, are you sure about that vision? Are you sure that maybe you didn't have just some bad pizza the night before, before you went to bed and you had just a funny dream or funny vision? Are, are you sure that this was from God? Because, Paul, I don't know if you've noticed, but we're in a pretty bad situation here and this doesn't seem like the will of God to me. And, and, and you're just going to have to bear, bear with my imagination here. But Scripture tells us in the next, in verse 25, that, that Paul and Silas uh, uh, began to pray and they began to sing. And I just have to imagine that as Silas is sitting there frustrated, maybe he hears with his ear, he hears a hum start to come out of Paul's lips. Maybe he starts to hear Paul and just bear with me, Paul hums something like, and he looks over and he says, Paul, what do you think you're doing? Do you know where we are? Do you know how bad this is? And you're, you're humming over there. And, and, and Paul, is, Paul is, 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 that, is that the song Waymaker that you're humming? What, what, what are you doing, Paul? And the next thing you know, Paul says, come on, Silas, I know we're hurting. Just sing a little bit. You know the song. And Paul sings, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. And Silas says, come on, Paul. Paul says, come on, Silas, just sing it with me. The next thing you know, they're singing it in unison together. And Saul is, and Silas is just a little bit begrudgingly, he's singing it. But the more he sings with Paul, perhaps he begins to feel some joy in his spirit. And the next thing you know, I bet you Paul gave Silas the sign for the bridge. And the next thing you know, they were singing at the top of their lungs. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. Come on, somebody. No matter what they were facing, no matter the darkness that they were facing, Paul and Silas decided to sing and worship God in their present circumstance. And I bet you those prison walls had heard a lot of things over the years. I'm sure those walls had heard groaning. I'm sure those walls had heard screaming. I'm sure those walls had heard crying. And I'm sure those walls had even heard praying to the various gods that the other prisoners worshipped. But I can almost guarantee you that those walls of the prison had probably never, ever heard singing. Singing. 
But in the middle of the night, at the darkest hour of the night, with all of the prisoners around them listening, they began singing and praising God. They were so convinced of God's love for them, and they were so convinced of God's plan for them that not even a prison could cease their praise. Not even a prison could stop their praise. They made a decision in that moment. They said, hey, I'm not going to let the darkness decide for me. I'm not going to let the darkness make a decision for me. This darkness does not get the final say. This darkness does not represent full reality. There was something in them that said, I may not be able to see two inches in front of my face. I may not know if rats are crawling around my feet right now. I don't know if my ribs are out of place or what. But this darkness does not get the final word. God gave me a vision, so I'm not going to base my decision on this present darkness. I'm going to base my decisions on the visions that God gave me days ago or weeks ago or months ago. I'm not going to base my decisions on on this present chaos, on this present darkness. I'm not going to base my decisions on the darkness of a crazy election. I'm not going to base my decisions and my faith off of a crazy pandemic, off of riots and tensions. No, this darkness does not get to decide how I'm going to view things and how I'm going to praise and how I'm going to worship God. Somebody praise him if you feel that this morning. Man, if I could get just a little bit more monitor. Thank you, brother. Hey, man, just a tad. I've got a question for us today, church. I've got a question for even those who are kind enough to visit with us this morning. Can we still sing in the dark? Can we still praise even in the middle of the pain? Can we still worship God and keep our joy and keep our faith and keep our hope and keep our evangelistic presence and our witness even when everything is going haywire around us? We might be tempted to just bunker up somewhere. We might be tempted to just hedge all our bets. But I'm asking you, can we still live a vibrant, abundant life full of faith and full of joy and full of hope even in the middle of some of the darkest times that our country and our world has ever faced? face can we still praise in the pain I believe I'm looking at a church that absolutely wants to fulfill that. I'm looking at people that have gone through some things, and if it wasn't for your praise, if it wasn't for your faith and your worship, even when you didn't feel like it, you may not be here. And I've come to tell someone visiting here or somebody whose faith is weak or lacking, can I tell you, do not give up. Do not lose hope, but keep on worshiping God. Keep on praising God. You will feel hope. You will feel joy. You will feel liberty in his presence. Keep seeing in the dark. Keep praising in the pain. Don't let fear get the best of you. Don't let fear keep you from the blessings and the promises of God. But keep singing in the dark. Keep praising in the pain. Saint of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You say, but preacher, don't you realize that, that, that there's a possibility that some of our, our liberties and things can be taken away? And I say, you know what? I understand. I understand there's problems. And I understand there's things that worry us and we scratch our head about. But can I tell you, no matter what earthly liberties are taken away, the Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So when you're filled with the Spirit, when you're a born-again Christian, you can have liberty wherever you are. No matter what's happening in the nation around you, no matter what problems 
comes around you. Hallelujah. You can be in the darkest place on planet earth. You can be in a prison cell with no light at all, but you can still have liberty because where the presence of the Lord is, there is liberty and there is freedom. If you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost, can I tell you, God wants to fill you with his spirit and you'll know you've been filled because you will speak in other tongues as the spirit of God will give you the utterance. And if you've never had that experience, God wants to give it to you because if you've never had that experience, you do not yet know full joy and true liberty and true freedom that God wants to give you. Hallelujah. And maybe you've already had that experience. Maybe you've had that born-again experience. Amen. But the, the fear and the darkness has been encroaching upon you and, and your creativity is damaged and your imagination is weakened because you're just living in this fearful fog. You're a saint of God, but even saints of God, amen, of course go through spiritual attacks and go through times of doubt or fear or cynicism. And God sent a young preacher to speak to you this morning that says, hey, keep seeing in the dark. Keep pushing forward. Keep using your imagination imagination, your creativity for God. Don't let all the darkness steal your joy. Don't let all the chaos take your sense of humor. Amen. The world out there is looking for examples of joy and hope and peace, and it is up to us to be that example for them. Hallelujah. Can we still praise in the pain? Oh, I've got to hurry. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for Jesus this morning. Hallelujah. Verse 26, the story continues. Remember, we read this in the beginning. Verse 26 tells us suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. You see, that's what happens when you praise and when you worship. The foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and immediately everyone's bands were loosed. Now, can I tell you something you may already know, but can I remind you it took an earthquake to open all of the prison doors. It took an earthquake to open all of the prison doors. Can I remind you that there are some things that will not open until they have been shaken? There are some things that will not open until they have been shaken. Here in Acts chapter 16, it was not only the prison doors, but it was also the jailer's heart. What about in Matthew chapter 27 verse 54? It was an earthquake that opened the eyes of a Roman centurion to see who Jesus really was. For those of you that know the story, amen, there was a Roman centurion who was not a believer and he was there at the foot of the cross to make sure that uh, the execution was carried out properly and he's watching our God robed in flesh, hanging on the cross, giving, giving, dying in the flesh, so to, uh, so to speak, and he's watching uh, uh, our God about to give up the ghost and die in the flesh and all of a sudden he starts to see the clouds grow dark and lightning and thunder flash and, and all of a sudden the ground underneath him begins to shake. There's an earthquake and that's when the centurion looked up at Jesus on the cross and said truly this was the son of God. Truly this is who he said that he was. I'm telling you he had to be shaken in order to receive vision and I've just come to preach to Carson City that God is using this chaos he did not engineer it. I don't believe God wants it, but he's using this chaos to open doors of opportunity. And for all of you that are worried about all the devastation, can I tell you that God is going to use worldwide devastation to bring worldwide revelation. That's the kind of God that we serve. He's going to use all the chaos to open hearts, open doors, open minds, open windows of opportunities, new jobs, amen, where you can go, where you could 
can go before God is going to use all the shaking to open things up for you. Amen. There will be doors and hearts that open that were previously closed to you. I'm sure there's so many in this church that can testify, whether it was family members, people in this church or elsewhere, that you've heard stories or seen them yourself of, of, of people coming to God during this pandemic, either for the first time or coming back to God because their life and their foundation was shaken. I can tell you, I, we've been traveling all over the nation, and there are people that were not coming to God, sadly, but God, used, he, his, his mercy was there even in the middle of the pandemic. He was using that even for his glory because there were people that were not coming, but their world gets shaken, and they might lose their job, and all of a sudden there's fear, and they realize that the ground they're standing on is not as solid as they thought that it was, and so they come running to to the right place, the house of God. I've seen prodigals come home and be renewed because of the chaos. I've seen people come to the house of God for the first time and be filled with the Spirit speaking in tongues because of the chaos. I'm just telling you, that's how awesome our God is. Don't let the darkness decide. He's using the chaos for His glory. He's using the devastation to bring revelation. There will be a day where every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and it might take some chaos and some darkness and some trials to bring that about. Amen. But thank God that we can see that happen even in the chaos. God's mercy and his goodness and his glory is at work. Yeah. Hallelujah. We've had even family members, amen, and, and friends that we know renewed in the Holy Ghost in their living rooms. Amen. Watching over the live streams. Do we have a live stream today? God bless all of you watching on the live stream. Can I tell you everything I'm saying is for you as well. If you're at home and you need the Holy Ghost or you need to be renewed, God can fill you this morning right there smack dab in your car or in your living room. Yes, I'm talking to you, whoever is watching this morning. Hallelujah. There was, there was one uh, situation. There was a young lady who was watching one service. We are preaching at a Spanish-speaking church. It was being translated, of course, because I don't speak Spanish, but there was a young lady tuning in who was from Mexico. We had no idea that she was tuning in, and she had a loose connection with someone in the church, and uh, she previously wanted nothing to do with God, and uh, the, the closest apostolic church was three hours from her, and she just, she was bitter. She didn't really want much to do with the church, but then the pandemic happened, and everything got locked down, and now she's stuck in her home, and she's looking for answers, so she tunes into this life stream and it was just a simple message about the gospel acts 238 the needing the need to be born again of water and spirit be, be, be uh, baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of all your sins have the record of your sins washed away and and about the Holy Ghost evidence by speaking in other tongues just like in acts 2 and acts 10 and acts 19 and on and on and so that's all we preached and after it was over the person that had a loose connection came to us and said listen you'll never believe it this girl whose heart was previously closed she contacted me after hearing the gospel and she says I've heard it I believed I want to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and the last I checked they were sending a missionary to baptize her to drive three hours one way to baptize her in the name of Jesus Christ I'm just telling you her heart would have never been open had it not been shaken Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm just telling you, God is on the move, church. I know you know this. I know I'm just feeding you just simple meat and potatoes this morning, but, but, but God is on the move this morning. Amen. I, and and, and in, this, uh, in this crazy year we're in, I want to read to you as well 
Amen. I want you to understand just how powerful God is. I want your faith to rise this morning. So I'm going to read to you, amen, a, um, a, a, a text message that was sent by someone who was touched by the Lord in the middle of this pandemic. Amen. Uh, I was preaching several months ago in San Jose, California, and due to all the tight restrictions there as well, they were having at the time to have to have an outdoor parking lot service, and we were also doing a live stream, and again, we're just preaching, we're speaking faith. You know, sometimes things happen in the spirit when you praise God and you speak faith, and you don't even know what's happening right away, amen, but you are sowing seed in the spirit. You're speaking light to darkness. You're, you're speaking truth in an age where they don't want truth to be spoken, and so there's power in your praise, power in your worship power when you speak the word power when you say amen power when you lift your hands power when you come to church power when you repent of your sins amen and so we were preaching again just a simple message and we didn't find out until after there was a another lady tuning in named jenny uh to the live stream and she had only had about one or two bible studies with a lady in the church never been to church not a christian not a believer but she was uh, hope uh, open and hungry and now the pandemic was happening and now other trials in her life were happening so she tuned in and she sent this text to her contact in the church the contact in the church gave it to the pastor the pastor called me and said listen you're going to want to hear what happened to a lady named Jenny over the live stream tonight. This is her text, and I'm reading it to you verbatim. Quote, she said, I just felt like I was crying out to the Lord because I've been carrying this what if in my heart that I will never be good enough. And then I just cried a little harder, and I started praising the name of Jesus, and I started saying, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah. Remember, this is someone who is not a church person. She doesn't yet know the Lord, didn't know the Lord before this. She said, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah. She said, quote, and then something happened inside of me that overtook my body and my tongue. She said, a wave of electricity overtook my entire body, and I felt tingles all over, and my tongue was just doing a constant repetitive sound that was not English and it just kept going and going and I knew that I was not in control she said and I knew through that that the Holy Spirit had heard my cry and it took over me She continues and says, or at least I think it was the Holy Spirit. She said, because I've never had this happen to me before. She said, all I know is I was not in control of what my tongue was doing. And, and of course, we told her, yes, ma'am, that was certainly the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Hallelujah. She continued and said, I didn't know what to do or who to call, but I felt that I needed to share it with someone, and you came to my mind because I knew you would understand more than anyone else I know. She said, it was a supernatural experience. She said, I couldn't even believe it when it was happening. It just happened, and it was amazing, and it was powerful, and it was electrifying. She said, it's hard to explain this to people who don't know God, but I pray someday that I can share it with them. She said, thank you so much, Sarah, for doing Bible studies with me and leading me with the word of God. She said, I truly want this, and I truly want Jesus more than ever before in my life. She said, for my son to know God as well. I just want all of Jesus, all of him. She said, 
said, there is no one else that can give me the love that I have received tonight from Jesus. This was Jenny's words. Don't tell me that the darkness gets the final say. Don't tell me that your trial gets the final word. Don't tell me that it's over just when the world says it's over or just when politicians say it's over. Come on, somebody. It's not over till God says it's over. And God says there's hope, there's joy. Don't let the darkness decide. I might have to shake things to open things, but don't worry. Trust in me. Somebody praise him right now, right now, all over the house. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Some things have to be shaken in order to be open. There are some of you here this morning, maybe you wouldn't be here if everything was going perfect in your life. Because we come to church because we're human and we have needs. Some of you would have never been saved had there not been some chaos in your life. And that's why when you become a Christian, you can even thank God for the chaos and the trials. Because sometimes if it wouldn't have been for them, you would have never come to know the truth. And you would have never gone deeper in God. There are some of you here this morning, God wants to give you a miracle today. God wants to bless you. God wants to fill you with his spirit. And you've got maybe some trials or some questions. And if it wasn't for those things, you would not be here perhaps in the house of God this morning. I can thank God even for the trials. And I can thank God even for the confusion in my life. The Bible continues. I'm, I'm moving as quickly as possible. I'm closer to being done than you might think. Amen. The Bible says in verse 27 and 29 of the same chapter that we've been reading from, the Bible says that after everything was open, the jailer awoke out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword. I feel the Spirit's already here. God's here in this moment. The jailer woke out of his sleep, saw the prison doors open, he drew out his sword, and he would have killed himself. He would have ended it all right there. He would have given up, the scripture says, supposing, assuming that the prisoners had fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice in verse 28 saying, do thyself no harm, for we're all still here. Then the jailer called for light, sprang in, came trembling, and fell down before Paul and Silas. Here's what I want you to notice. The jailer came inches away from ending his life. His blade pulled inches away from his stomach, being jabbed into his gut. He came inches away from ending his life. And the question is why? Is, is it because all the prisoners had left? Is it because his reputation and livelihood were ruined? Here's something you need to understand. You say, why would someone react so strongly? you got to understand that his occupation and his reputation were at stake. Back then, they lived in an honor and shame society. To have all your prisoners, your, your, your occupation, the people you were in charge of, leaving at once, your reputation would have been destroyed. And for a lot of those people that have no reputation was as good as death. Not only that, that was his occupation. He did that full time. To lose all the prisoners means he has no money and no more means to provide for his family. And no one else would hire him because he had a bad reputation. So now here he is ready to end his life. But again, the question, is it because all the prisoners had left? Is it because his reputation and occupation were really ruined? Is that why he almost took his life? No. The reason why he almost took his life is because he assumed that all the prisoners had left. Because he assumed 
that it was over because he assumed that his occupation and his reputation were ruined. I've just come to remind someone, if you haven't noticed in this text, that this man almost acted on an assumption. He almost made a big decision in the middle of the darkness because he could not see what was really happening. But I've come to remind someone that his fears did not line up with the facts. What he assumed to be true was wrong. He couldn't see because it was dark, but if he would have been able to see, he would have known that all the prisoners were still there and all hope was not lost and it was when he called for lights he saw that his assumption was wrong and all hope was not lost things were not as bad as he thought they were and I've come to preach to someone this morning could I propose that things are not as bad as you think they might be don't believe all the things that you think in the dark don't make decisions based off of assumptions don't act based off of assumptions. You know what you need to do? You need to get on your knees, lift your hands, and call for lights. You need to pray. You need to talk to God. And the light of God will illuminate your situation. And you will hear the voice of God telling you what Paul told the jailer. And that is, don't give up. I'm still here. I have not left. You are not alone. Don't let the darkness decide for you. Somebody praise him right now. Hallelujah. Don't let the darkness decide for you. Oh, hallelujah. He thought it was over. He thought it was done. But if only he would have been able to see what was truly real, he would have known that all hope was not lost. The Bible says that Jesus God is the Father of lights. Amen. If you're having trouble seeing hope, if you're having trouble feeling joy, if you're having trouble seeing how this is all going to work out, you need to get on your knees, lift your hands, pray, worship God. And you know what you're doing when you do that? You are calling for lights. And Jesus will flick the light switch on and say, see, it's not quite as bad as you thought. See, sir, it's not over like you thought it was. See, you, you, you don't need to commit spiritual suicide. You don't need to give up on me. You don't need to give up on the church. And you don't need to give up on hope. You don't need to give up on joy. You don't need to surrender your, 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 your worldview. You don't need to surrender your, your creativity and your imagination because things are so dark and seem so meaningless. No, don't let the darkness decide. Don't let the darkness play with your mind. Don't let the darkness uh, uh, create thoughts for you you where you're just sitting in your room alone and you've just read two hours of the news and you feel so dark and you feel so hopeless and you feel so empty you know what's happening the darkness is trying to decide for you the darkness is trying to make decisions for you when you let the darkness decide for you that's when you can't get out of bed because things seem so hopeless and I understand I've been there in the past before I gave my life to God but we got to make up in our minds I'm not going to let the darkness make decisions for me I'm going to go by what his word says and I've read the back of the book and it says we win and it says there's hope and it says there's joy and it says there's life so I'm not going to let the darkness and fear and anxiety mess with my mind and tweak my thoughts anymore how many things have I missed out on the past few weeks or past months, how, how much peace and how many blessings have I missed out on because I've been letting the darkness think for me I've been letting the world think for me. I can't see anything. Everyone's left me, right? Everything's over, right? And Jesus is saying, no, you need to get some lights on in there. And you need to let the love of Jesus shine in your heart and see that there's still so much hope 
to be had. And so much work to be done. And so many hungry people out there. And so many people that still love you and care about you. But how many times have we seen people, whether they leave the church or leave their devotion. Amen. Someone once said, before you leave the doctrine, you leave your devotion. Amen. How many people have we seen walk away from the joy of God, the hope of God? Maybe they still come and sit on the pew, but they left their joy and they left their faith behind them a long time ago. Why did they do that? Because of an assumption. Because they assumed that it was over. They assumed that no one cared about them anymore. They assumed there was no more love left for them. How many times have we seen people walk away from God, amen, because they got hurt or they got offended? And, and sometimes, I get it, that's a human thing to sometimes feel hurt, amen, but we can't walk away from God because of feelings of hurt or offense. And what we do is we assume things. We assume that brother or sister doesn't care about me. That, that brother or sister didn't shake my hand. Or, or pastor and pastor's wife, they, they didn't smile at me five times. They only smiled at me four times. And so there's just something wrong. And, and so what they're doing is they're beginning to make assumptions. They must not care. I must be in this on my own. I, I saw so-and-so get a gift, but I didn't get a gift, man. And, and so all of a sudden, that's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants you to miss out on things because of an assumption. He wants you to end your spiritual walk because of assumptions. How many times have people missed out on the blessings of God? They missed out on the grace and mercy of God because they assumed that there was no more love for them. There was no more grace or mercy for them. How many times have people that go out and, God forbid, make a mistake and they want to come to church and they want to pray, but, but, but they think, no, they assume wrongly that, that, that God can't forgive them. You know, I know God forgave me in the past, but this time it was just too far. I, I went too far this time. I, I made too many mistakes. I, I did too much drugs. and I saw things I shouldn't see, and there's no way that God could forgive me this time. No, that's an assumption. You're living in darkness all because of assumptions. Do not act based on assumptions. Don't make big decisions when your mind is in a fog, don't let the darkness decide for you. My Bible says that the Lord is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. My Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. My Bible says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. I've got an answer for every one of your assumptions. The assumptions aren't true, but the word of God is. Somebody put your hands together for Jesus. Go ahead. The musicians can come. I'm making up in my mind this morning. You know, the darkness may have decided for me over these past few months. There may have been days where I knew I was supposed to get out and do something, or go to work, or go to outreach or pray, and I didn't because I'm human and I was afraid and I let the darkness decide. But, but I'm making a decision this morning. I, I, I'm declaring my dependence on God. I'm declaring my allegiance to God. And I'm not going to let the darkness decide for me anymore. I'm not going to make assumptions like those lost loved ones. My friends or family will never be saved again. And it's been affecting my spirit. And it's just been weighing so heavily on me. That's an assumption. You, you don't know. I've seen people that have been prayed for for 15, 20 years. And the grace of God is there. And they come running back home. Don't, don't assume things that you don't know is really the case. Don't let the darkness decide. John chapter 1 verse 5 says, And the light, the light shines on in the darkness, but the darkness has not mastered it. The darkness has not overcome it. Can I tell you, don't give up. The darkness will never overcome the light of God. Never. I don't care what happens in our country. I don't care how bad things get around the world. The darkness can never overcome the light of God. And can I tell someone here today, the darkness cannot define you. 
You may have made some mistakes. You may have gotten involved in some things. You may have spent so much time in fear and desperation that you feel like the darkness is your identity. But can I tell you that the darkness cannot define you? You might feel like it does, but darkness cannot define by definition. Only light can do that. Darkness doesn't hide. It, it, it doesn't define. It just hides and obscures what is really there. Your darkness has not defined you. It's only hidden things that the light of God wants to reveal. The darkness is not where it's over. It is just hidden your true potential in God. The darkness is just hidden all the gifts and abilities and talents and anointings that God wants to reveal in you. It's not that you're so horrible. It's not that you're so messed up or there's no potential. It's that the darkness has been hiding those things. But once you surrender the fear and once you surrender the darkness to God and the light of God shines on your heart, you will realize things about yourself that you didn't even know. You will realize talents that you didn't even know you had. You will realize anointings that you didn't even know you had. And it was hiding because of your darkness, because of your anger, your bitterness, your jealousy, your fear, all the things the darkness is just shrouding, but the light of God wants to come in and reveal who you really are in God, because God believes in you even when you don't believe in yourself. I'm not going to let the darkness decide for me. I'm not going to let the darkness decide for me. You say, well, I feel trapped. Doesn't mean you can't testify. Paul did it. Paul did it. Well, well, well I, I feel like a prisoner doesn't mean you can't be an encourager. Paul did it. You want to know what a victor is? A victor is a prisoner who encourages his captors. And that's exactly what Paul did, didn't he? You say, well, I've been hurt. Hey, just because you've been hurt by others doesn't mean you can't go on to help others. The Bible says, lift your eyes to the hills from where your help comes from. Speaking of Jesus, you know why so many people have a hard time looking to the hills where their help comes from? Because they're too busy focused on where their hurt comes from. And they have a hard time seeing where their help comes from because they're so focused on where their hurt comes from. They're so focused on what a family member did to them, on what a friend did to them. They're so focused on their bruise or their scar or their markings that they don't look up and realize the beauty and the joy that comes with a deeper walk with God. It's time for us, church, to look up this morning, to surrender ourselves to God and say, I'm not going to be so focused on my hurt that I don't see the help that God has for me. And can I tell you, Paul assumed, excuse me, the jailer assumed that everyone had left and everyone was gone. Can I tell you, there's some of us here, some of us watching, you've assumed that no one cares about you. You've assumed that there's no more friends or there's no one who truly, can I tell you, listen to the voice of God that's saying, no. We have not all left. Just like Paul told the jailer, no, we're all still here. You need to understand that you've got brothers and sisters in Christ that are still here for you, that still care about you. You are not all alone. And furthermore, even if every human being in your world really did leave you, really did, and that's pretty rare, but even if that happened, you're still not alone. Because there's a Lord, there's a King of Kings who loves you and cares about you, who will never leave you or forsake you. As I'm concluding today, can I tell you that I know what it's like to sit in darkness. I'm preaching to you this today with passion because I know what it's like to let darkness make my decisions for me. I know what it's like to be far from God, even as someone raised in church. I know what it's like to be far from God and wonder if there's any hope because I walked away from him and I was living in sin. I, I know what it's like to live in sin and depression. I, I know what it's like to feel completely disqualified from receiving anything good because my life was so dark. 
I know what it's like to start believing the lies that the darkness tells. And because of that, begin to make self-destructive and harmful decisions. I know what it's like to believe the dark voice of hopelessness. I know what it's like to come to the point of almost giving up. And I want everyone watching today, here today in the church, to raise your hand if you've ever felt like giving up. Now I want everyone who is also thankful that they did not give up to raise their hands. Look around you. These are all testimonies around you. And that's because the book of Micah chapter 7 and verse 8 says, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. You see, I know what it's like to sit in darkness, but I also know what it's like to begin living in the light. I know what it's like to live in fear, but now I know what it's like to live in faith. I know what it's like to be absolutely hopeless, but now, because I've given my life to God, I know what it's like to live in an abundance of hope. I used to let the darkness rule my life, but I'm glad to tell you today that for the past nine years, after I gave my life to God, I've been living in the light and I don't know who I'm preaching to today but you need to know that you don't have to let the darkness rule your life any longer you can live in the light you can live in the hope and joy of Jesus Christ you don't have to live in the fear any longer you don't have to fear this pandemic any longer you don't have to fear what's happening in our nation any longer the darkness says that there's no hope but the light says otherwise the darkness says that you've seen too too much sin for you to still have a healthy marriage? No, the light says otherwise. Don't listen to the darkness. Don't let the darkness decide. But hear the voice of God telling you today, I am the light. I am hope. I am joy. I want to help you. I want to save you. I want to deliver you from whatever you're dealing with today. Somebody praise him. Somebody put your hands together for Jesus. Come on, let's stand all across this house. Amen. As they continue to play, and let's lift our hands just for a moment before we go any further. Come on. Come on. You're not alone. You're not fighting alone. You have a God that's fighting with you. If you've been born again, you've got a God fighting on the inside of you. Come on. Come on. Come on, that's it. Somebody just take a second before we go any further and talk to him. Come on, make up in your mind. I'm not going to let the darkness decide. The news doesn't look good. There's so much fear and so much darkness. I'm, gonna let, I'm not going to let that dictate the way I view the world. I'm not going to let that dictate my days and my weeks. I'm not going to let that dictate my perspective. But Lord, I'm going to place my trust in you. Come on. Come on, that's it. Just for a few seconds here. Jesus. Jesus in your name. Jesus in your name. Jesus in your name. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, we worship you. We thank you for your presence that we feel here this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Can I tell you something? And we're going to pray and we're going to lift our voices in just a minute. And I'm going to invite everyone who can. You're physically able to come to the front. We're going to have an altar call and pray together. And if you need the Spirit of God, you've never received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, please know this is for you. God wants to fill you with His light. And if you've already had that experience but you've been struggling and this message has spoken to you today, I'm going to invite you to come as well. But let me remind you that from the very beginning of our, of our Bible, 
the very beginning of time in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says that the Spirit was moving in the dark. The Spirit was moving in the dark. And when it was when the Spirit moved in the dark that creation burst forth, that the world was created. Darkness was God's canvas for creation. The darkness is where God does his best work. And all the way from Genesis to the end of the Bible and from Genesis, amen, moving into the book of Acts, what happened? God instituted a new creation. That's when in Acts chapter 2, God birthed the church. And I just feel to say this for someone, if you're here and you need the Holy Ghost, that same spirit that moved upon the dark in Genesis was now moving upon a city called Jerusalem. And there was 120 people in an upper room praying and tarrying, waiting for the promise of the Father, the promise of the Holy Ghost. And the spirit fell on them. And what does the Bible liken it to in Acts chapter 2? The Bible likens it to a fire. And they were filled with spiritual fire. What is a fire amongst other things? Fire is light. You see, in that moment when the Spirit filled their hearts and 120 people began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance, their hearts and their souls was flooded with light, flooded with light. And they went out onto the streets and people saw the light and they were confused and said, what is going on? What, what is this all about? And Peter preached to them and another 3,000 people were added to the church and their hearts were flooded with light as well. And ever since that day, God has been filling hearts and filling souls with his spirit. And one by one, every soul that he's saving, God has been pushing back the darkness for 2,000 years since that day in Jerusalem. And I have seen people filled with the Holy Ghost, filled with light, speaking in other tongues all around this world, in California, in Nevada, in Germany, in Switzerland, in Taiwan, in Japan, in the Philippines. The light of God is still pushing back the darkness all over this world. And what we need today and what we need in 2020 is the power of the Spirit because that's where the light, that's where the fire comes from. And if you're here and you need to be renewed in the Spirit, or if you're here and you've never been filled with the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues, God wants to give you that experience so you can leave here this morning knowing for sure that you've been filled with the same Holy Ghost that the disciples were filled with. Come on, if you want the light of God, if you need something from God, or if you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I want to invite you to come to this front. You can come and lift your hands if you're able to. If for some reason you're not able, then please make your pew a place of prayer. But if you're able, I want to encourage you to take a step of faith and come to this front. Let God's light flood your soul. Let his hope and joy flood your soul this morning. Hallelujah. The singers are going to sing. But come on, let's lift our voices. Come on, saints of God, lift your voice. And let's welcome the light of God into this place. If God has spoken to you, come this morning. And let him bless you. Let him deliver you today. Yes. Yes. There's hope. There's joy. I'm not going to listen to the darkness. That's it. Lift your hands. Repent of your sins if you haven't already. And lift your voice to God. Just worship him. If you don't know what else to say, just say hallelujah. Just say I love you, Jesus. And he'll come down on you. He'll transform you. He'll fill you with his spirit.